Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with The Pop Health Show. And the show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. I have on the show today Dr. Christopher Morris. I'm really excited about this show and doing this episode. Dr. Morris is the Associate Director for Digital Health Innovation at NYU Langone Health in New York. And he's done some really cool stuff, super innovative stuff. I'm not going to steal his thunder, though. Dr. Morris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Thanks yeah. for taking all time to do this with me. Thank, thank you for your time. Of course. Yeah, and I'm um, definitely uh, passionate about taking digital health to the next uh, level um, and how we address population health. I think we've learned a lot over the last decade since mm -hmm. the Affordable Care Act uh, really caused the shift in the way we manage pa patients, uh, the way uh, bundled payments are um, uh, come into be uh, very um, uh, a focus of a large health systems in the way that they approach care. Um, and then how that's also led into value-based medicine. Um, these are a lot of uh, trendy words and, and concepts that we've seen, um, uh, you know, highlight, highlighted um, uh, by policymakers, by hospital leaderships, by um, pharmaceutical companies and payers in general um, over the last year as kind of, over the last few years of kind of uh, how we're going to take care of the American population and, 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 um, make healthcare, uh, in the United States more accessible, uh, value based and, um, just basically make it better overall yeah. in terms of whether it's clinical outcomes with our mortality, uh, our infant mortality all the way to, uh, the way we approach end of life care. Um, so I think we're in a really interesting place right now where we can step back kind of 10 years, uh, uh, post ACA, uh, roughly 10 years, um, and kind of look where digital health has worked, uh, what hasn't worked so well and how we move forward. Um, and I'm really excited, even though we're, you know, definitely, uh, experiencing challenges and some bumps along the way. I love it. I love it. No, I really appreciate what you're doing. I thank you for teeing up that perspective and how rapidly and, and for the better things are changing to help us in this new value-based world, as you're mentioning. And, you know, the digital element of things, because everything and all this information is, is digital, all the workflows, lots of opportunity in space. But I'm, I'm also really interested to hear about um, your your passion is is super clear and evident. Where does that come from? Tell me a little bit about your background your origin story, what led you to become the person you are today? So small, big question to start to kind of kick us off. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking a lot about that recently. Um, mm. But, you know, I, I think ultimately I've, I've had a um, entrepreneurial type uh, outlook on life. And uh, um, I've been a go-getter in terms of wanting to change things. Um, and kind of bucking the trend since I was, I've been a kid. Um, and so I, you know, don't, don't do well in highly regimented, um, uh, systems, whether it be in the football team back in middle, uh, middle school or, 
um, uh, kind of working in a more traditional enterprise uh, structured um, environment. Uh, I just want to, I see something and I, I want to tackle it and I want to think outside the box. Um, so I got to medical school and it was the first time I was really confronted with the challenges that our healthcare system uh, is are, is experiencing. Um, you can read about them, you can uh, shadow physicians before med school, but until you're there as, let's say, a mm-hmm. third-year medical student, fourth-year medical student, you don't really see the processes, the 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 actual one-on-one encounters with patients when they're describing all the troubles that they're um, experiencing in terms of patient engagement, just even accessing the system, education, understanding the disease process, um, to basically making very complex decisions that the patient has increasingly um, been or taken a larger stake in. And we've moved from a very paternalistic uh, outlook in medicine back in the early 80s and when I came through medical school around, you know, uh, in the early 2000s, um, you know, there was definitely a, an approach towards presenting several options and taking a more team collaborative approach in allowing uh, patients to make their decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw, as a student, though, I was, I was like, there's just so much low-hanging fruit. The tools and the, the systems are not there that are needed um, in order for patients to make actively engaged decisions. The access to care is not there. Um, so I decided to um, that technology had to be um, you know part of this transformation um, that I was in order to make our health system more efficient. Uh, so I quickly just started um, teaching myself as much as I could about technology, uh, you know, basic coding um, to uh, understanding health policy, why wasn't technology being incorporated into my daily life as a clinician or as a medical student when I had an iPhone, you know, it was an early stage iPhone, but uh, an iPhone for uh, every other aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just started uh, voraciously just trying to read as much about technology, healthcare, reimbursements as possible. Went to residency, um, was up at Boston for Beth, at Beth Israel Deaconess um, in the Harvard system. Uh, great, great culture just in terms of spurring innovation, um, doing agile sort of uh, quality improvement projects, applying technology in different ways. Um, and that really just got me to... Uh, uh, the point where I was being uh, seeing patients as an outpatient, and I said, you know what, I'm seeing all these patients. It just doesn't make sense. Half of them don't have to come to the clinic. I'm just doing this because they. Uh, I need to bill. I need to. You know, the clinic needs to make money. Um, but I really feel bad that I'm asking this patient to not only take off work, to drive into Boston, to find parking. Um, and there's been some literature on on this where you know the actual val or cost to the patient for even coming to a follow up appointment uh, is incredibly um, it's it can be quite significant um, in terms of a lost wages and um, I forget the exact kind of life 
metric that has been developed to discuss it. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, basically patients give up a lot in order to come to our appointments. So I left residency um, and started my own company uh, that really aimed to, to be able to perform an outpatient, what we call level five ambulatory appointment, um, digitally, remotely. Um, and I, I, while I started at NYU um, doing just strictly clinical work uh, in Manhattan, I built a digital practice where I sourced all the most recent digital health instruments, um, so, uh, telehealth software, played around with a lot of different vendors and kind of worked on co-developing a few different um, uh, products and in, in, in kind of workflows. Um, and so the final product was you went online, made an appointment. I had a, a kit uh, that you would receive in Manhattan via uh, Uber uh, courier service uh, at the time. Um, the You'd open the box, tablet preloaded, appointment via Zoom actually uh, would, would just start. And all the instruments were supposed to, you know, automatically connect with uh, Bluetooth. And, you know, I was hopefully going to be able to save people a lot of time um, and, and even anything from anxiety or just, uh, you know, uh, the many troubles surrounding with physically having, having to go to the doctor's office. Um, unfortunately, the interoperability wasn't there. Um, reimbursements uh, were, were very challenging. Um, and there were, you know, user interface and design is so important. I think it's one of the most underappreciated things in digital health today. Um, and I would say that was really one of the major limitations um, in terms of growing this idea. Um, so I stepped back. I said, you know what? The time is not right right now. Um, the market was still pretty early. Uh, this is back in 20, 2015. Um, and you know, CMS hadn't really uh finalized a lot of the, um, they, they hadn't really even uh, started considering a lot of these things. The 21st uh, Century uh, Care Act, you know, hadn't been developed. Uh, there wasn't much guidance. The FDA hadn't started thinking about these sorts of things, or they had, but which is very early stage. Um, so that gave me the opportunity to step back, uh, work within NYU, uh, <clears throat> and establish myself as um, someone with a broad set of skills um, that could work with earlier stage companies from my clinical perspective uh, in terms of developing uh, their technologies, products, um, and taking into consideration from my experiences the whole package, uh, whether it was anything from interoperability to user-centered design, um, and then most importantly, regulatory how how is this actually going to get implemented and operationalized i love it i love it now uh this is this is awesome and congratulations obviously you know being an entrepreneur entrepreneur having your own you know thing where you've been able to drive this impact is, is super phenomenal um and uh it's really just exciting to hear dr morris i'm, I'm kind of curious if we had some listeners that you know 
are, are in a hospital innovation area, or maybe they're the CEO of a hospital, and you know, say they had a blank check to support um, to support their digital efforts, really kind of get everything up to snuff with their digital flows, their innovation processes, so they can help patients more. Like, what's a mindset they should have? Like, what? How would? How should one? start tackling things? What should they look at? How they should be looking at digital? How should they be looking at their workflows, IT systems? Um, what's, what's that sage advice you would have for them? Um, very, very, a lot of different, you know, ways to Pieces go with that. that but yeah. I, 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 I think the one concern I have is healthcare in terms of digital operation has been behind every other industry um, for all the last 20 to 30 years. Um, And I don't think we're going to get out of that or we're not going to jump ahead and be innovators and leaders if we really don't think outside the box at this point um, and try to to lead the how new technology is adopted versus saying, oh, the financial industry, you know, did this with their mobile apps and security and we're going to, you know, take that now. Or, you know, we know through these use cases at uh, HBS that um, these patient engagement strategies work the best uh, in terms Mm -hmm. of um, uh, uh, patient access and design, you know. Um, So the thing that I am most intrigued about is how millennials and uh, let's say the 50 and under um, population in the United States engages uh, with social media and their smartphones. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also see the rise of direct-to-consumer products, um, Roman, Hims and Hers, um, and then within the women's health um, sector, I mean, there's just tons of growth uh, within um, something I focused on, on, on briefly is HIV, uh, PrEP prescriptions. Um, uh, you have patients like Nur, or companies like Nurex in that space. And they are doing a really great job at sleek UX design, engaging the patient how they want to be engaged. And in a sense, it's a type of personalized medicine. Um, because a lot of, my contemporaries just want to be able to text and uh, really not even engage the physician on a, maybe that same human interaction that the, or the population that's now older uh, did in the past. Um, And I'm not saying that's universally true uh, at all, but I do think a health system needs to start thinking that way um Mm -hmm. i think we have to to kind of get out of there's kind of a few just steadfast time-honored traditions in healthcare um that we as physicians like to believe are completely you know unmalleable um but we, we we need to start thinking extremely differently about how we uh engage our uh, patients, and we have to o- offer them cutting-edge, really robust uh, uh, 
uh, digital offerings with sleek UX designs that are um, really easy to engage with and uh, offer for quick, efficient results. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I look, you know, where companies like One Medical, uh, the way they're building out that infrastructure, um, and as I mentioned, a lot of the direct-to-consumer companies. Um, and I think you could could make the argument that pharma payers, um, you know, there's going to be there's increasing um, alignment between the direct-to-consumer market um, and and payers, insurers, and pharma. Um, and health systems have to make sure that they're not going to be that they're going to continue to have that that um, seat at the table in terms of what the patient actually wants. Um, so while I could say you know we need more analytics, uh, we need um, you know, there's many things that uh, you know we need to improve on. We need to clean up data. We need mm-hmm. to figure out data sharing uh, policies. We're extremely far behind in that, from my perspective. Um, but ultimately, I think we just need to make a really amazing um, uh, patient access component and personalize that for what they need and, and get rid of some of the, the old kind of traditional things within medicine that don't necessarily have evidence. Um, and we need the data to support that ultimately, probably to get over the hump. So start doing more studies on, you know, okay, if I just text with a physician versus actually go see them in the office, what's the, you know, difference in outcomes or experience and cost? There is some research uh, in that. Um, you know, someone like uh, Ativ Mahotra uh, up at uh, Harvard's uh, um, Public Health School has been doing research on this for years, but there's still a um, much-needed um, uh uh, we we really need much better data on this, um, right. and tech companies, you know, haven't. There's not necessarily the incentive for them to uh, produce this data like uh, there was for the traditional pharmaceutical model back in the 80s when we were developing drugs and the FDA cleared to go to market. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of a a challenging place in the sense that I'm trying to convince clinicians and health systems that we need to do something radically different. Um, but there's no evidence for that. Right. Um, and we are, we're, you know, so ingrained and there having to be evidence for everything and, and in digital health, um, you know, how do we start showing, uh, evidence? Does it include ROI? Does it include, you know, uh, all these other, uh, aspects? of um, consumer engagement from other industries. And um, I don't think anyone's really figured that out, but, you know, places like Node Health, I think, are doing a great job trying to figure that, figure this Mm -hmm. all out, but we have a long ways to go. Right. Um, So if I'm a hospital uh, CIO, uh, definitely I'm thinking outside the box. I'm trying to engage as many young users in novel ways as possible. And I'm going to try to draw them in by meeting them where they are. Um, if you want to use emojis or if you want to use animojis, <laughs> let's figure out a way for that. Because currently within Epic, there's I I don't use a lot of emojis, but right. um, we can't use emojis in the, the chart. So you'll be typing and uh, go to click it, but then it, it prevents you from doing that. <laughs> but, um, 
but there's all sorts of different ways for patient education and and, and novel ways to to be uh, pushing that sort of information and, and incorporating it in a more fun uh, kind of social way. And we're, we're just not doing that at this point. Um, and then, yes, there's a lot of other big other, you know, things, as I mentioned. Um, I would say longitudinal data analysis is the most frustrating thing as a clinician that right. um, I think we need a real strategy for just in terms of, um, and then data management strategies, uh, you know, you have the big tech players that are trying to tell the health systems what to do, the health systems knowing that they have this data, uh, but they've been given so much, uh, so much risk has been offloaded on these health systems that I think to a degree, some of them are just paralyzed and, you know, mm -hmm. they're trying to do population health management. They're trying to, to run IT, very uh, complex data storage warehouses, um, and it, it's uh, it's really going to, I think you need to be, think really outside the box at this point in healthcare um, because continuing our status quo is, is just not going to work. Right. Because, you know. <laughs> and no, this is great. This is great, Dr. Morris. And I, I guess um, in, in, in all the best practices you're citing here and kind of, or ways of thinking to, to shape a firm foundation for thinking of the future, Future. Tell me a little bit about what you see happening in the future, you know, assuming some of these things are put in place and these best practices and mindsets are adopted. Yeah, I, I, I see a um, decreasing influence of health systems in general over the next decade. Um, I think uh, you're going to see them actively try to deleverage themselves and then also um, tech companies and the startup community um, coming up with innovative direct-to-consumer uh, products. Um, and then I also see, and I'm probably biased on this, but I, I see that there's, one of my focuses is clinical burnout, depression. Mm -hmm. um, anyone who's worked in healthcare knows that our frontline staff are actively we're losing them uh right it, it, it's really sad uh the amount of um uh people leaving the sector that are on the front line the amount of people that are uh experiencing tremendous depression burnout it's very real uh it, mm -hmm. you don't have to go far to find it um and what's going to allow the frontline clinical provider the nurse the uh, speech pathologist and of course the doctor to take back some control from uh, what they view as the complete administration of health healthcare and and I think there is this disillusionment um, that clinicians feel that my career and my profession has been taken uh, from me. Um, mm -hmm. So how do you empower them? Um, and I think uh, what you will see. Um, is clinicians going out on their own and trying to rebrand themselves in different um, ways uh, <laughs> and kind of a shift as we're less dependent on traditional brick and mortar um, uh, infrastructure. Uh, mm -hmm. I think there's going to be tremendous opportunity for clinicians to kind of step out on their own. And I look at uh, 
I always will go back to the uh, what the, <clears throat> the work being done at the USC uh, Innovation, uh, digi- their Digital Transformation Center. I'm blanking on the correct name, but um, mm-hmm. you know they 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 set out to make uh, animojis of uh, several of their cardiologists, um, <laughs> and then kind of uh, basically making a virtual clinic that you could go see your doctor. Um, and then leveraging all our developments in NLP, which has really become almost a commodity uh, at this point, um, and then integration with medical records, um, and then clinicians actually sitting down and working with artificial intelligence companies to to build their digital presence um, where they can see uh, patients anywhere in the world. They can be a leading expert anywhere in the world. And there, uh, we can actually get a, um, an understanding of what, why maybe this clinician is engaging or getting better results, uh, on a massive scale, uh, mm-hmm. across the world versus just what we have now, which, which is, you know, health system metrics that are very rudimentary and often, um, very dirty, uh, mm-hmm. in, the way they're constructed. Um, so I see, uh, I'm hopeful, uh, for a world where clinicians get to be clinicians again. Um, and we're using technology to supplement that. Um, mm-hmm. and we can get rid of a lot of this administrative burden, um, by allowing, uh, more of this direct to consumer or different models for, uh, physicians to step out on their own and make their own uh, professional decisions. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, Dr. Morris, this is this is great, and I really you know see that future coming to fruition. And you know the mindset that you're you know promoting, and just from your experience and best practices, is extremely refreshing. You know to this industry, and I think to a lot of our listeners, um, uh, Dr. Dr. Morris, if I, uh, if, if our listeners wanted to get a hold of you through social media or contacting you, what would be a good way to do so? Uh, the best way to uh, find me is on LinkedIn. You just search Christopher Morris, M-O-R-R-I-S. Uh, I should pop up uh, from NYU Langone Health. Um, and I will probably start tweeting a little bit more in the future, but every time I really try to get going. I, I don't have time for, for everything, but uh, <laughs> right. my Twitter is at Christopher uh, Morris MD. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Dr. Morris, this has been phenomenal having you on. Really appreciate your time. I'd love to have you back as you work on more innovations and do more projects and impact more people and just continue, you know, what you're doing, which is, which is a blessing. Um, and to our listeners out there, this is the pop health show. The show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. Dr. Morris, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Much appreciated.